uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for all the people that's listening and chiming in. You didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. So I appreciate you doing that. Hopefully that way, if we can learn how to agree to disagree, and we can live like people. When I make the hard topics, I say the hard things, I make the thing itch scratch. So if your itch is not scratching, and you're scratching on the itch, maybe you need to look yourself in the mirror. So I'm not here for no drama. I'm not here for no nothing. Just to learn, 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 and edify. This is from learning situations only. So I'm not here to get anybody's hairs up. So, again, thank you. And hopefully we can agree to disagree. within the Republic of Canada. We have placed ourselves outside the criminal jurisdiction of the Crown for reasons that will be clear from this announcement. This is the 50th anniversary of the abduction and murder of 10 Indigenous children from the Kamloops death camp they call a residential school. Abducted by Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, witnessed by William Coombs, subsequently murdered. Well, we now have evidence linking King Charles Charles Mountbatten Windsor with these deaths and a tribunal has been convened to meet November 1st to look at the evidence. Now some of this evidence will be shared today in this announcement. Today on the 58th anniversary of the permanent disappearance of 10 children from the Kamloops death camp called a residential school, new evidence has surfaced linking King Charles to their fate. Here's a statement from the tribunal. Our tribunal has today received sworn statements from British and Canadian nationals. They claim to have witnessed the personal participation of Charles Mountbatten Windsor, known as King Charles III, in ceremonies involving native children that occurred in Carnarvon Castle in Wales and at the former Catholic Indian School in Fort Providence, Northwest Territories in Canada. This first ceremony in Carnarvon Castle occurred the same month of the abduction of these children. It occurred on October 30th, 1964, and it involved the ritual killing of two of those 10 children who were abducted. Their names, Cecilia Arnold, age 10, Edward Arnous, age 10. The second ceremony in which Charles Windsor was engaged involved a similar ritual killing of an undetermined number of Inuit children provided by the clergy of the Catholic Sacred Heart Indian Residential School in the Northwest Territories on July 11th, 1970, during Charles' first official visit to Canada. Now another witness, a former government employee, claims that then Prince Charles had personal knowledge of and sanctioned a kill order against William Arnold Coombs 
issued by the British MI6 agency against William, who was the sole living witness, eyewitness to the October 1964 Kamloops abductions. William Coombs subsequently died of arsenic poisoning in St. Paul's Hospital and ministered to him there on February 26, 2011. And that was from the testimony of nurse Chloe Kirker, who treated William. Her statement can be found at murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates. Now, this new evidence and accompanying documentation has been entered into the docket of our tribunal that will be convening on Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. Charles Mountbatten-Windsor has been issued a public summons to appear before that tribunal. More updates can be found at murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates and also the latest program at bbsradio.com slash Stand, archived at that website. Now I'd like to follow this with a personal commentary and some more details. Because 10 days before he was murdered by royal decree, William Coombs met me at the Ovaltine Cafe on East Hastings Streets in Vancouver. He was happier than normal because he, our movement had just held yet another church occupation. And in the glow of that victory, William had given up drinking. The, the booze that he needed to dull the memories of his torture by electric cattle prods when he was a child at the Kamloops death camp. With a shy smile, he handed me some poems he had just written. And one of them read the following. He wrote, truth can't be written on dead hearts and minds that think they know. The whites all talk of healing, but they're sicker than they know. I still remember what they'll never let themselves see. Rescue babies crying all night saying, Billy, I'm hungry, please feed me. So Georgie and me, we hunted for food, raiding the orchards at night. And then I froze, I saw figures in a strange light, priests bending over a hole. Georgie, who are they? Shh, he said, they're burying another one. Be quiet or we'll be dead too. I still have nightmares, the screams of the babies they never leave, and the ones in the ground saying, Billy, Billy, set me free. Those dreams and those faces I still can see. For the murder at the Kamloops Residential School, I will tell of it all. I saw, I saw, I saw. Well, after I read William's poems, he asked me to hold on to them for him. And I have them collected here in a, a series of, of the poems he wrote that we're going to actually publish as part of his legacy handwritten poems that tell the truth of what happened. We shook hands after we left the Ovaltine Cafe, and we didn't say goodbye because we expected to rendezvous that same month in London, England, where William was scheduled to speak to our common law court about what he saw Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip do that day in Kamloops. But the crown struck first. Ten days later, William Arnold Coombs was dead from arsenic poisoning. Well, the ones who killed my friend think that enough assassinations and midnight burials and official lies can rewrite history and swab memories. But fortunately, the truth can't be controlled by us because it comes from elsewhere. It has a life and a force of its own that eventually wears down time and crime. And so now, even the enormous lie that the Crown and Church have built around their Christian death camps in Canada is crumbling. Today, it collapsed some more. William is alive again, and he's pointing his accusing finger at his killers through living eyewitnesses who have come forward to tell our tribunal more of the details of who killed William and those 10 Kamloops children and many tens of thousands of other innocents. And that finger today points directly at Charles Mountbatten-Windsor, the so-called King of England. Now here's some more of the details of what we know. We know Saturday, October 10th, 1964, 10 children were taken by Elizabeth and Philip 
40 miles west of the Kamloops death camp above Dead Man's Creek. And there, eight of the 10 children were, who were abducted by Philip and Elizabeth were brutally killed, ritually murdered. We know that from a retired British security officer who was present and who says that both Elizabeth and Philip were present during the ritual. Now, two of those 10 children were kept alive and brought to England to the Roman-built Carnarvon Castle in North Wales. They were Cecilia Arnold, a local Kamloops interior sailors girl who was 10, and Edward Arnous, a Métis boy from Quenelle, also aged 10. They were kept alive until Samhain, the Satanic Calendar Festival, on October 30th, October 30th, 1964, and then, in a sub-basement crypt of Carnarvon Castle, Cecilia and Edward were ritually raped, tortured, killed, and then cannibalistically devoured as part of a coven of the Vatican-led Ninth Circle cult. Present and participating that night in the blood feast were Philip Mountbatten-Windsor and his eldest son Charles, who was inducted into the Ninth Circle cult that night, the man we now call the King of England. Well, fast forward, on July 1st, 1969, Charles came back to Carnarvon Castle to be invested as the Prince of Wales in the exact same location the sacrifices happened. And exactly one year after that, on July 1st, 1970, Charles, his sister Anne, and Elizabeth and Philip all made their part of Charles's first official visit to Canada. The ultimate destination of that trip in 1970 were rural Aboriginal communities in Manitoba and at Fort Providence in the Northwest Territories. And there at a, in Fort Providence, at the Catholic residential school called Sacred Heart, Aboriginal children, Inuits, were again killed at the hands of the Mountbatten-Windsors and the Vatican accomplices. accomplices. Well, with all the blood that was spilled in those death camps deceptively called Indian residential schools, child murder was the norm. And those killings remained cloaked in secrecy and terror for many years. But then one day, William Coombs spoke out. I was there in my radio station when he spoke out. We were there on the streets protesting at churches when he spoke out. And as a result, one day William Coombs was ordered to be killed by royal decree enacted through the British Foreign Intelligence Agency called MI6 and by its RCMP counterparts in Canada, specifically E-Division of the Mounties, under the direction of Black Ops Coordinator Inspector Peter Montague. On February 19, 2011, William was forcibly abducted from his East Pender Street slum hotel by three Mounties and brought to the Catholic St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver. William's nurse, Chloe Kirker, states on record that he was in good health and had no symptoms of the, his official cause of death, tubercular meningitis. But by February 23rd, he developed what are called measles lines on his fingernails, which is an indication of arsenic poisoning. And yet nurse Kirker was ordered by St. Paul's administration to keep William off any intravenous and thereby keep him dehydrated. In hindsight, that was done to allow the poison to disseminate quickly and fatally through his system. After William died, Nurse Kirker was threatened not to speak about it, but she was subjected to so much repeated harassment and death threats, she quit her job and moved out of the country. Well, the Vancouver court... Well, what would they be doing at the school? Uh, And all the other kids, do all the other kids be putting on the dresses too? Yeah. 
what that do? What you say that do to your mind? It messes my mind up. Because they doing what? Because they doing what? Because of Jesse's soul. So I'm not a man. I'm a bad man, sucker. I'll be a police. That's everything I got. That's right, sir. What I teach you in the home? To be a man, right? Yeah, you be a man. So... So you have to do stuff you want to do to give me a bed. Right. So when I when, when I dress you, do I dress you like a boy? Yeah. See, and then yeah. they and then they hand you a what? A dress. I said that's wrong, right? Yeah. I gotta teach those kids how to play me. They, Cause they don't play. Right. What are you saying? I can you teach me how to play me? Because I'm not helping them. Well, you going to help them? Yeah. If they police officer, you can't, you can't help people. You just try to help people protect. The dress? Yes. If they don't if they give me a dress, I'm not, they don't play me. They don't play me. I'm serious. Hey, good morning. A moment in white history. Not only did they lynch children, but they also lynched pregnant women. This is the story of Mary Turner. On May 19, 1918, Mary Turner was lynched from the Folsom Bridge just 16 miles north of Valdosta, Georgia. An angry white mob bound her by her feet, strung her up in a tree, and hung her upside down, poured gasoline on her body, and lit her on fire. They burned all the clothes and hair from her body, but Mary Turner was still alive. Enraged at her inability to die, somebody from the angry white mob showed up with a massive butcher knife and stabbed her in the abdomen. Still alive, her baby fell out and when it hit the ground, somebody else came up and stomped the baby's head in, killing it instantly. Mary Turner was still alive, so the whole mob grabbed their guns and filled her body full of bullets. Why? Because she spoke out about them lynching her husband the day before. And that's how lynching pregnant black women became today's moment in white history. While Americans have been distracted by a rich guy who got lost in a submarine, quietly in the shadows, U.S. regulators approved the sale of synthetic lab-grown meats to the American public. This is not a parody. This is not a joke. Let's get into it. In this article from the Associated Press titled, U.S. Approves Nation's First Lab-Grown Meat, Chicken Made from Animal Cells, it talks about how two California companies got the approval to sell this shit to us. So I'm thinking to myself, who could be that powerful to convince U.S. regulators to sell us synthetic lab-grown meat? And it's none other than our good buddy, Billy Boy Blue, who's been the primary investor in companies that are trying out different synthetic meats for us to enjoy. He's also one of the majority shareholders in Impossible Meats. So I'm thinking, this guy's just a computer wizard He's not a nutritionist. He's not a scientist. Could he be after consolidating the food supply? I don't know. But what I do know is, is that Bill Gates is the largest private farmland owner in the United States. Not Jimbo, who comes from a long line of farmers. A tech billionaire. And you know what he's doing with this land? Nothing. Everything that was once growing on it. America, you should be very, very concerned right now with 
what is going on in the background while they keep flashing this billionaire who got lost in a submarine for the past few days, nonstop. Do you know that they just caught 123 people on the terrorist watch list trying to cross the border in Mexico? Something big is coming, or else all of the media networks wouldn't have agreed to show us this bullshit while our country is falling apart. It's the first technology ever that can create new ideas. You know, the printing press, radio, television, they broadcast, they spread the ideas created by the human brain, by the human mind. They cannot create a new idea. You know, Gutenberg printed the Bible in the middle of the 15th century. The, the, the printing press printed as many copies of the Bible as Gutenberg instructed it, but it did not create a single new page. It had no ideas of its own about the Bible. Is it good? Is it bad? How to interpret this? How to interpret that? Um, AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. We, you know, throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. Every religion claims our book, all the other books of the other religions, they humans wrote them. But our book, no, 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 no. It came from some superhuman intelligence. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct. That just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. That could be a reality in a few years. Yo, I don't even know who he is. He a clown. These are the people that are pushing the AI technology stuff, trying to do all this old crazy flam flam. You hear what he say? You hear what he saying, fam? If you didn't, you better rewind this. Because whoever he is, y'all need to keep an eye on him. He pushing the AI and then he talking this crazy talk. <laughs> Let's analyze. Stays at award shows and in every video, and yeah, man. they are trying to normalize the devil. They are trying to populate the devil is is on the main stage at award shows and in every video and yeah, man. signs and symbols. And I said, you know what? We need to stop treating our relationship with Jesus like the little buddy that you talk to before you go to bed at night. Well, I want to play a video right away because we have some stuff going on in the world around us. And I want to talk about the rising up of somewhat of Satanism and culture and popular culture. And I love that Tyrus Gibson from Fast and Furious calls it out. So instead of talking about his new album, instead of talking about the movie Fast and Furious, which is one of the biggest franchises of all time, he spent time on the big podcast recently talking about just this. He talks about the devil worshippers used to be in secret but now they're not. So let's watch this video for just a second. Also, tell me where you're coming in from if you're on YouTube or this live. I want to hear from you. Here we go. God will send you all of the desires of your heart. And that that is something that I want everybody who could hear this interview to know. As much as I'm supposed to be promoting this movie and talking about my album, I just feel like we're in competition right now because they are trying to normalize the devil. They are trying to populate. The devil is, is on the main stage at award shows and in every video and yeah, signs and symbols. And I said, you know what? We need to stop treating our relationship with Jesus. Look at the other side of the world, East Asia, far away from the war in Europe, but suffering its fallout. The world is divided. Clear military camps and alliances have taken shape. 
NATO is fighting Russia. The US and China are in a cold war and East Asia is emerging as their battlefront. Every day brings new headlines featuring warships, military stunts and missiles. The latest one comes from Taiwan. Two Russian warships sailed close to Taiwan, not Chinese, Russian warships. This was late last night. Taiwan's defense ministry was on high alert. They said, and I quote, the National Army used joint intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance methods to grasp the dynamics of the Russian ships throughout the process and dispatched mission aircraft, ships and shore-mounted missile systems to closely monitor the response. We don't know just how close the Russian warships got to Taiwan. The ministry did not specify the distance, but they were close enough for Taiwan to put up its guard. And you must understand, Taiwan is no stranger to territorial incursions. Their neighbor is China, after all. And Beijing's aggression is almost routine. Let me show you something. This is the Taiwan Defense Ministry's Twitter feed. Every day it reports incursions by the Chinese Air Force and Navy. And despite this daily pressure, the Russian vessels found special mention. Because they escalate the already tense situation in East Asia. To understand this further, we need to zoom out, to look at the region as a whole. You have the No Limits Partners on one side, that is Russia and China, they call themselves each other, No Limits Partners. They're joined by their old friend North Korea, a country that keeps testing. Now, if we have this terrible radiation and you have some notebooks and your pencils, you better get them out because I'm going to tell you what to do when you get to the point where you can't go any farther, you can't get your breath. There's two ways to neutralize this lack of oxygen in our, our uh, atmosphere. First, we want to get rid of the radiation now, radiation will hold all of these other elements. This, of course, is my own interpretation. Remember, what I'm telling you is my own findings, my own interpretation, my own experience. So, soda and salt will neutralize any type of radiation usually your x-ray any of it now the portion that you use you use a bath you know in the olden times they used to get in the bath for almost everything and they weren't wrong believe me and i think we're going back to that so you take a tub of hot water and I mean a tub full, all it will hold. Get into that tub as hot, the water as hot as you can stand it comfortably. And stay in that water until it cools down to body temperature. Now the heat brings all that to the surface. And when it cools, Osmotic pressure brings it out into the cooler side. We're taking a therapeutic bath. Now, if when we get this low-grade uh, radiation, 
We leave the salt out and use just soda, baking soda, arm and hammer. And you need to take about two to three pounds to a tub of water. And you use the same procedure. You'll be surprised what that will do to level off so many of this, these conditions that we've been fighting to overcome. Now our next step, and that is a Clorox, common ordinary Clorox bleach. You know, someone in Albuquerque uh, called us the uh, Clorox dumpers. We use it in cleaning our foods and all of that. But now let's go back to our bath. A cup of Clorox in your bath of water and the same procedure used will neutralize some of the hard chemicals and the, the sprays and poisons that are backed up. You'll be surprised how that will clean out so many of these conditions that we haven't had a way to get rid of before. It's not expensive. It is effective. Now these are the everyday things that we have to deal with every day. People say, well, I tried it and I felt so much better, but I feel worse again. Sure you do. You got another exposure. You don't clean this up. You keep working with it because it's in the air. It's everywhere. When you see the birds falling, when there is no more oxygen for them to fly with, and you ask someone at the head of the environmental department, what do you, what does the government do about this? And they tell you the government can't do a thing. There's nothing the government can do. So then it's up to us as individuals to do this. And I tell you, friends, if you will try it, you know there's one wonderful thing about it. If it don't help you, it can't hurt you. You can't take one drug you can say that about. There is a solution that we make, and we've had to use it in this last episode that we've had to correct the radiation in our system. And that is to take a quart. Now write this down because this is a formula. Write this down. One quart of distilled water. Now how do we use distilled water? Because it absorbs and pulls out all these elements that are foreign to the physical well-being of our body. You, in that, you take one teaspoon of soda, one teaspoon of sea salt, and stir it until it's thoroughly mixed. Divide that into four doses. Now, your first dose then drink 
the next one every two hours until you have taken the four doses. And your system will be pretty well cleaned out. Now, when you compare the bath to that and put them together, you're, you'll be surprised at the results that you get. So, again, when we get these conditions, and you live with them, you have them every day, they're all there. And I see we only have 10 minutes. I wonder if there are any questions. Yes. One pound each. Now, if you're taking a straight soda bath, make it about two to three pounds. All right, thank you. Yes? Where did I see a hand up here? I can't see back there in the dark. Hmm? All righty. There is no nutrition. You're drinking water. You're correcting a condition. So nutrition is not the point. You're, well, every four hours, yes, you shouldn't be taking anything else. You need the fluid in the system to wash it out and to neutralize what is there. Yes. Any other? Epsom salts. No, no. Plain, ordinary sea salt is your best. If you get sea salt. Now, other than that, don't buy your iodine salt in the market. We want real salt. And you can use your water filter salt or your ice cream salt. It takes a little while to dissolve and all, but it, it will work. You use it, your regular Clorox bleach, the old one, not the new. You want the plain, old-fashioned bleach. It's still on the market, thank God. I don't know what I'd do if it wasn't. Yes? What do you use? What you use for your skin after you have done all this soaking? Well, now, if you're taking the, those baths and they dry the skin, dry your body, then get olive oil and very lightly moisten your hands with it and rub it into your skin and it'll take care of the whole thing. It'll stop all the... The National Security Council has raised the alarm over supplies of depleted uranium shells to Ukraine, claiming the destruction of such weapons threatens Western Europe with traces of radiation apparently heading that way. Ukraine also they helped Ukraine, pressured their henchmen, and supplied ammunition with depleted uranium. The destruction of this ammunition potentially has led to a radioactive cloud headed towards Western Europe. An increase in radiation has already been recorded in Poland. In addition, the United States is developing and already using chemical and biological weapons, including on the territory of Ukraine. That's what American aid and democracy look like.
This news of a radioactive cloud heading towards Western Europe is certainly scary news, but he also did talk a bit about the uh, terrorist attack that took the life of the Russian journalist Vladlin Tatarsky and the explosion that almost took the life of the Russian author Zahar uh, Prilepin. He said that these were carried out by Kiev with direct coordination from Washington. No doubt helping Kiev assassinate civilians is a serious uh, escalation on the part of the United States. Now, Russia's National Security Council secretary also spoke a bit about this never-ending flow of weapons that the West has been sending to Ukraine, specifically these long-range cruise missiles that the UK has been sending over. These missiles can be launched over a distance of between 250 and 1,000 kilometers, which is really uh, an enormous distance. The Ukrainian military has also been using them uh, to strike targets, civilian targets in the Lugansk People's Republic. There have already been a number of casualties, uh, including children, among them as a result of these strikes, despite the fact that London uh, promised that they would not be used against civilian infrastructures. So it's just one of many weapons that um, Patrushev has said are violating international norms and prolonging the conflict. In order to prolong the military conflict and create conditions for a Russian defeat, NATO countries continue to supply Ukraine with more than 600 types of weapons and military equipment. Britain has supplied Ukraine with storm shadow, long-range cruise missiles. Those actions completely contradict international norms on arms exports, which prohibit the provision of weapons when it is known that they might be used to conduct acts of genocide, destroy civilian infrastructure, and commit crimes against humanity. What's the position on the UK? Has it changed its position? Why are they sending these missiles? Well, it seems now that the UK couldn't care less about Moscow's red lines or, as a consequence, escalating this conflict. Because, for example, Kiev's claim to Crimea is something that seemed absurd and dangerous to most people in the West not too long ago. Now we've got the UK Defense Secretary basically saying he's ready to take these hostilities to the next level. Let's take a listen. They've lost thousands of lives as a result of that invasion, uh, and I think ultimately it'll be Ukraine's decision. Under international law, they have every right to do that uh, in accordance with self-defense. Uh, Britain isn't going to stand in the way of that. So with Washington apparently helping Ukraine assassinate civilians, with the UK continuing to supply these long-range cruise missiles, and then saying they're not going to stand in the way of Ukraine if they try to take Crimea? Scary stuff. One person has been killed and four others wounded after the Donetsk Republic came under Ukrainian shelling. Several apartment blocks, a local hospital and a supermarket were also hit. Let's get some of the latest now with RT's Steve Sweeney. He sent this report from the city of Donetsk. This supermarket in Donetsk city centre remains open despite being shelled by Ukrainian forces overnight. It is believed that it was struck by a Grad missile causing damage to the front and side of the shop. We spoke to a number of the workers and shoppers here. We are very worried about shelling because our peaceful area here is shelled every day. The civilian population is being destroyed. Houses, people, children. There is a cluster of people, cars, buyers. Why would you shoot at the store, only to destroy civilians? How long will this all go on? They strike at peaceful houses, at civilians. How do we experience all this? We move on, we have no other...
chilling the world. I stay tuned to the famous podcast. It's the hottest message out there. When I'm home, chilling, I'm always tuning in to fame. He has the hottest podcast out there. Go listen. Very informative. When I'm home, Chilla, I'm always tuned in to Faze. He has the hottest podcast out here. When I'm home, Chilla in the world, I stay tuned to the Faze podcast. It's the hottest message out there. Hey y'all, when I'm at the spot just chilling, when I'm in my car just driving around, I always use the phase to keep it real. This thing was real. And that's one of the hottest podcasts around. I definitely suggest it. Check them out. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. I'm an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the life behind. Staring at stars, wishing I had time. But my kids need food and my girl needs me. Sometimes I dream that I'm finally free So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise And I'm a shout that I'm bowing with all my voice I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy I'm just trying to make it, I'm an island boy Island boy, I'm an island boy care about the fate of 300,000 plus unaccompanied children that have been placed with sponsors in the United States since he became president. We're here today because the Biden administration has utterly failed. It has failed to secure the border and it has encouraged parents to send their minor alien children on a dangerous trip to the United States unaccompanied. And it's failed to protect these children after they were let into the United States. There's been a 357% increase regarding unaccompanied minors at our border. The policy choices of the Biden administration are creating an unending flow of children to this country. It's a conveyor belt of children being forced through the system. And what's the priority of HHS? Just get them out as fast as we can. They go to factories, they go to slave labor, I've written to the FBI and asked the FBI, where are the 80,000 plus children this administration's lost? They don't know. The New York Times illustrated that senior Biden administration officials like Secretary of Health and Human Services, Becerra, knew, knew about this and continued to move children out of Health and Human Services as fast as possible by loosening vetting requirements for sponsors. I have not received a response 
from the secretary on what has happened to 85,000 children. The point is Secretary Becerra needs to come before us. Every single person crossing the border now, if they want a good chance of surviving, have to pay a toll to the transnational criminal organizations. It was estimated that a year and a half ago, transnational criminal organizations were making $800 million a year in human trafficking. You know, you can't help as a mama think about your own children. And if we, um, as leaders of the greatest nation in the world, are not fighting to protect the most vulnerable, we are not doing our job. And let me be clear, even one child in the custody of human traffickers is horrific and wrong. But 127,000? This administration, no wonder Secretary Becerra is too scared to sit there. He should be embarrassed of that record. This is obviously a family crossing right here. Pretty sad situation to think that we have laws that would protect us from this that are not being enforced. HHS is responsible for them, and they can't find them. They don't know if they're dead or alive or trafficked or being worked. Why on earth would you not try and take the safest path to get here legally? Why on earth wouldn't you stop at a safe third country and say, I have a difficult, dangerous situation in my country, I have documentation to prove it, and I'm applying for asylum. What's wrong with that? We have incentivized the use of children in illegal immigration, and nothing will change until we change our policy. How much more alarming does it have to get that we would have the White House administration standing up here with us announcing the policies to improve it and announcing that we have a closed border. The kids are in danger. The kids are in slavery. The kids are being exploited. And it should not happen in the United States of America. Why in the world we would allow drug cartels to become rich off of our most vulnerable is beyond me. It's disgusting and it must stop. We need to do better than this. We must do better than this. We must show that we care about the fate of these children by doing our job. King the First of England was originally King James the Sixth of Scotland. He was the son of a black father. Over what? A black father. Over what? A black father. Read on. And a colored mother. And a what? Colored mother. Read on. Both of royal blood. Both of what? Royal blood without the necessary background. This may sound like a far-fetched story motivated by a crazy desire to identify black heroes in world history. Keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. Go ahead, read on. We should not forget, however, that after the Moors settled in Spain and Southern Europe in 711 CE, Significant numbers of black people found their way into Northern European countries such as Scotland, Ireland, France, and Denmark. So I can hold that right there. And King James, right? He had power over all these territories because of his royal blood. It was inherited, right? Read on. God, the nations of Scotland and Ireland were since the beginning of first millennium has significant numbers of blacks who in Scotland wielded political power as the kings and rulers. It is also from the preponderance of black people in Ireland in, in medieval period 
that the term Black Irish has continued to be used this day after the downfall of the Moors in Granada, Spain, in the Slack is Spain, the white countries of Europe took a special interest in Scotland because there was a thriving black population there. There was a what? A thriving black population there. One more time for the YouTube. A thriving black population there. So what, read on? Unlike the Moors in Southern Europe who were Muslims, the Scottish blacks were Christians and therefore could not be victimized on grounds of religion. They also wielded significant military power. In these times, right, if you had the scriptures, you were burnt at the stake. You would get labeled what they call today an LGBT. Is that right? LGBT? Read on. God. They also wielded significant military power to neutralize black influence in Scotland and neighboring white nations adopted the strategy of whitewashing the line of the black kings of Scotland. Say that one more time. They did whitewash what? Whitewashing the line of the black kings of Scotland. Mm. They entered into treaties with the Scottish kings that would ensure intermarriages between white princesses of the northern countries and the black kings of Scotland in their hair, like your ears. These were arranged marriages. These was what? Arranged marriages. So here we are, we have the tribe of Judah, right? The royal tribe of Judah getting married off in arranged marriages. Right, to the so-called white people. Read on that would be overlooked by the Catholic Church. Overlooked by what? The Catholic Church. Go back to that book, The Bad Popes, right? They ruled the world. The Catholic Church ruled the world. Until today, right, they have their own city. It's called the Vatican. And they have a hand to play in white Jesus, a hand to play in the way that so-called Blacks, Hispanics, and Native Americans think. Right? The main hand as to why we are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Check this. You know, the world is so wicked now. And people just do what they want to do. But you know, all this is spiritual thing. We got to look at things in a, in a spiritual realm now. Because if we look at the thing in the flesh, we're just going to be confused and all in a dazzle. You know, and um, I know this is not going to be on mainstream news. Because every time they have a black man that had did something like this, they have it on all types of news. But I haven't heard this on the news, the mainstream news. And this happened... <clears throat> on the 19th of June and I'm assuming and um, Caucasian man and um, his wildness and um, you know anybody can do it could have did this thing that he done but what mindset or what type of people or what type of wickedness 
that we're going to continue having in this world. You know, what you talking about, Faith? What you talking about? There you go, Faith. There you go. Keep narrating it, narrating it, narrating. We just want to hear what you got to say, Faith. If you got something to say, say it. Never mind, man. Never mind. Let's analyze. Case of this piece of crap who shot his three little boys yesterday, and y'all, the details that are coming out are just horrible. He had allegedly been planning this for months. These babies were three, four, and seven years old, and it's being reported that one of them even tried to get away. But this guy ran after his son and dragged him back, and then lined them up and shot each of them. It's also being reported that the mother tried to get the weapon away from him, and that's when she was shot in the hand. New details just into our newsroom after the man accused of killing his three young sons and shooting his wife appears before a judge. WCPO 9 reporter Valerie Lyons joins us live from the Claremont County Courthouse with what happened. Valerie, really tough to hear. Yeah, Kristen, it's even difficult for me to repeat. You see, Claremont County prosecutors are calling this the most heinous crime on their books. They say Chad Dorman gave a full confession, admitting he didn't just shoot his sons on a whim. No, this was something he planned for months. And they laid out more grisly details for us in court this morning. They say the 32-year-old father lined up his three sons ready to shoot. At one point, one of the boys was able to run into a nearby field, but they say Dorman ran after him, dragged him back, and shot all three execution style with a rifle. Those boys were just three, four, and seven. It happened around four yesterday afternoon. First responders found them lying in the grass. Despite every effort, the Claremont County Sheriff's Office says they were not able to save them. Mark Ticolvi says he's been a prosecutor for 35 years, but this is a case he'll never forget. I can only imagine that the, the, the terror that these little boys uh, felt and experienced as 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 their their father, the protector, was was murdering them. I, uh, unfortunately, the mother saw this. Uh, you can imagine the, the immense trauma and terror that she experienced. And we will do our utmost uh, within my office to see that uh, this defendant never sees the light of day again. After the shooting, deputies say they found Dorman sitting outside the home and took him into custody. Now, we're told the mother tried to grab Dorman's gun, but was shot in the hand. She was taken to the hospital where the sheriff later broke the news that her sons were dead. Now, today, the prosecution made a request they say they've never made before. They asked the judge to set Dorman's bond at $20 million. Now, I asked lead prosecutor Mark Ticolvi why. He looked at me and he said just three words three dead boys. And what I'm telling you is going to be beaming, like the heat this summer is going to be crazy. Why is that? Because the planet is waking up. More UV rays, more cosmic energy is hitting the planet at this time. Like there's gonna be a lot more strange phenomena happening on planet Earth because the Earth has been sleeping for so long, but because the consciousness level is rising at such a quick pace that is never raised before. It's like everything is evolving. The animals, the bacteria, the plant kingdom, the mineral kingdom, um, humans and all creatures here are evolving on this planet.
because earth herself is a living entity and as long as we are in her in her body right we are her babies we are her seeds like we are her flowers we're also going to be affected by these changes this is why a lot of people are literally quitting their jobs and just moving and leaving the country it's like people making these big decisions life-changing decisions and why why? Because people are realizing their truth, their purpose, and they're just like, yo, screw this freaking like rat race, screw this matrix. I want to really figure out why am I here and what is my purpose and what am I supposed to be fulfilling right now? This was not a glitch. Fine frequencies with sacred geometry that was altering our DNA. As you can see here, the Schumann resonance is back to normal, though we are still going through this huge blot of light. Schumann resonance had reached 37% this morning. We are still being absolutely blasted. Now they are spraying the skies nonstop to try to block out the light that we are receiving from the sun. This is German scientist Fritz Popp. He discovered that DNA has little antennas on it that emits and receives light frequency why are they trying to censor all of this data why are they trying to censor us from seeing the Sun the thing that almost every civilization before ours worshipped make no welcome to this talk it's called the science agenda to exterminate blacks now, the truth is there is a concerted organized long-standing effort to eliminate African Americans from the human gene pool not just African-Americans, by the way, but Africans. Uh, this, this is happening right now. You are being subjected to it. It's happening through multiple vectors of science, medicine, and food that I will detail here in this talk. And it's all being done covertly. So almost no one is aware of this. The entire mainstream media refuses to acknowledge this. The scientific community will say that none of this is true. And yet, if you look at the facts that I'm going to share with you and the history, it's undeniable, you will see there is a concerted, organized effort to eliminate blacks. Hi, I'm Scott O'Neill here in Medellin, Colombia today, and I'm at the world's biggest mosquito factory for the World Mosquito Program. We're making in here 30 million mosquitoes a week. The mosquito life cycle starts with the egg, and in this room, we've got a lot of eggs. Each one of these strips these tiny black dots are up to 10,000 mosquito eggs. It's one of the most stunning things to say that this little mosquito kills almost a million people every year. If I would ask you right now, all of you, what color is the devil? I want you to answer that question to yourself. And I'm gonna pause for two seconds. Let me guess. Most of you said black, didn't you? Then I'm gonna ask you another question. What color are the angels? Let me guess. Most of you said white. Who has seen either? And yet we accept it. So you take a group of people, you say the color black is associated with the devil, everything bad is black, you wear black to go to funerals, the villains in the movies are black, everything undesirable is black. You take a group of people and say you too are black. No matter how we 
try as black mothers to raise our children at home and tell them you're black and you're beautiful. The minute they step foot outside that door, they're immersed in nothing but negativity about that which they represent. How do you raise a child with good self-esteem in such a world? So in 1972, Muammar Gaddafi sided with Idi Amin. And we had to fight him. I fought Muammar Gaddafi. 1979, again, he intervened on the side of Idi Amin. We had to fight him again. But in the end, we made, we made peace with Gaddafi. And he had his issues, he had his, his ideas. Sometimes we would agree with him, sometimes we would not agree with him. Now, when this problem of Libya started, the African Union, with our chairman, who is here now, this gentleman here, they formed a committee, a committee of a few of us, I think we were six. I was one of them. The whole of the African Union gave that committee a mandate to look for a solution for the Libyan problem. Now, on one occasion, I didn't go that time. These excellencies, this one here, Jacob Zuma, and the others, I, I was not there, but my, my minister was among them. They entered a play in one shot in his place. They were going to Libya to mediate. And they were told by NATO to go back. Yes. Said, you go back. Yes, he's here. If I'm telling lies, I'm not the one who invited him, you're the one who invited him. African presidents on an African mission over African soil were ordered by NATO to go back. That NATO has not allowed them to land in Libya. Now, we call this in Swahili Zarao contempt. This is contempt. So now you can you can weigh yourselves now. Your presidents were ordered by NATO. Six of them, not one. If it was only seven, maybe you could say. Six excellencies. African excellencies were ordered. Go back. to us, they continued, they killed uh, Gaddafi, now Libya is in tatters, up to today. And the problem did not only end in Libya, it went into Mali, it has gone now into uh, Chad, the whole area is in, is, is, is in flames. In Egypt, yes. So now you see, where, where you are. 
you were weak because of, of your weakness you you are, you were colonized fortunately we survived and by a combination of factors we got our freedom again but we did not use our freedom to make ourselves stronger we remained where we were and now the former colonists are coming back to continue where they had left off. I'm not here to talk about football. I'm here to ask the Nigerian government to put an end to decades of environmental destruction caused by cerithium oil. Destruction that the powers that be have turned a blind eye towards for far too long. Do you have any questions about that? Yes, I do. Yes, no, wait, 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 wait. Follow up question, please, thank you. Sam, are you openly accusing the Nigerian government of corruption? Yes, I am. I'm not here to talk about football. Thought tear gas would keep people off the streets of Marseille. They were wrong. By early evening, the crowds were back. But this time, the police weren't taking any chances. After looters had wreaked havoc, they were determined to clear the streets. In reinforced numbers, officers unleashed smoke bombs, tear gas and rubber bullets, arresting people as they went. But the crowds were defiant, some taunting the police in reply. What's happening here is a game of cat and mouse. Basically, the police are dispersing the crowds and then they're reforming, they're pushing them into a new place. And then it's happening all over again. On the sidelines, some lit fires, burning whatever they could find, or ripped up road signs as makeshift weapons. While many seemed motivated just to make trouble, others had come with a message like Hamza. The police in French is uh, racism. Hamza says this violence is the backlash of years of police racism and discrimination. There's lots of looting here in France, because what do they do? They shoot at us and we loot for revenge, he tells me. Scenes like this won't help build relations, but neither will this video showing rioters looting four cars. The shooting of a teenager sparked this unrest. Now deep-seated divisions continue to fuel it. Siobhan Robbins, Sky News, Marseille. See fam, they going out here doing all that looting. These guys shooting all this stuff and they ain't even got nothing. Ain't got nothing to shoot back with and all that. All they yanking and just throwing fire and looting. What is that causing, man? See, black folks done that and see that don't even that don't even work. That what is the problem? Because you got the police with all the guns and stuff and you out here trying to do some crazy stuff because you feel a certain type of way and you should and um you I, I see that the method and the way you going is not the right way that's why I say wisdom man wisdom there's no more wisdom out here for people to be out here because you got a bunch of idiots out here running the world 
and you got a bunch of foolish people falling through the policy of the idiots. But the most I'm going to deal with, let's analyze. You're saying, you're saying is good, but it's not what you're saying. We are not saying that we continue to have um, what what the, the taxes France is paying, the taxes Kenya is paying in the current setup. Those are national issues. We need a financial transaction tax at a global level where even countries like Kenya pay. We do not want anything for free. You will pay more eventually because you have a bigger economy. We will pay commensurate to our economy. And we want those resources controlled, not by IMF and World Bank. Because IMF and World Bank, you have the final say. We don't have no say. We want another organization of equals, where you have as much say because you pay, as much as we do because we also pay. That's the organization we are looking for. And that is why we are saying we need a new financial architecture, where governance, where power is not on the hands of a few people. We can agree on the governance of the institution. We can agree on the sharing of power so that all of us have access to resources that go to making sure, number one, renewable energy. We invest in decarbonization. Number two, adaptation, mitigation, smart agriculture. Number three, restoring our planet, restoring our biodiversity and making sure our carbon sinks work. This is what we are saying, and we would appreciate a little understanding. I mean, we, we want we want to be, and you know, we are talking the normal. If we continue talking the normal, Emmanuel, we will never solve this problem. Things are not going forward; they are going backwards. Tokenism, installment, will not solve this problem. We have a much bigger problem than the installment we are discussing here will solve. You are not hearing us. I will, I will, if I may, yeah. <laughs> I will answer you in two words to conclude. No, but and let me just finish one more. When uh, uh, Ajay was saying one to five or one to one, who is one and who is five? Private sector versus who is, who is one and who is five? One for private, five. private sector mobilization for every dollar of money that comes in. Five for private. Surely, uh, Ajay. How do you persuade the private sector to bring their money for public good? Private sector is driven by profit, my friend. I mean, I, I, unless you persuade me otherwise. So we're going to run out of time, but I've, there's a whole conversation to be had about what money goes into adaptation versus what goes into mitigation, which part of it the private sector is ready to go for, how they could be investing in renewable energy. There's a whole conversation, which I am relatively confident we will try and address with this group that's going. At least my objective was one for one. But it's feasible because I think the whole point is if you take the first loss... I agree with you if that is the but case. But I mean, I, I, I love having uh, uh, bold people and uh, I mean, I take the point. Uh, it, is, it is possible to bring risk down. Uh, we have fragmented the instruments in place so risk is not going down. We can integrate them and we can bring Chris down. Uh, but this probably requires a separate session. Yeah.
No, but at least you take first loss of guarantee. But just to address your point as a final conclusion, I don't know the country which would accept to have business or people being taxed if it's not voted by your people. This is a sovereign competence. So I agree with you. I want a global taxation. This is my point. But it will be submitted to the acceptation of and the vote of every each national parliament. It's matter of fact. There is no global tax without a national vote because it's matter of sovereignty, William. So I love. See, I don't understand what they got going on. You know what I'm saying? See, this is the white people crafty council talking and stuff like that. I got to get somebody who understand this talk right here to kind of break it down to me. But I think, you know, he's talking about this voting and stuff like that. See, you know, if I don't, I don't know who this dude, he's supposed to be the president of somebody, um, country. Is it Kenya or something? Poor, his name President Rito, R-U-T-O. He talking to Emmanuel, this guy, president in France, about all this, um, you know, the taxes, how they want for five, for, and all this other. I guess they talking about when they talking about for one for five, five African dollars towards uh, one European dollar. You know, you gotta have, you gotta give up five African dollars to make one. That's how they do the flam flam and vote. And my thing is, why is Africa always compromising or voting on? See, they got all the riches that the world want anyway. You know what I'm saying? You, we, now this is what we gonna do. You already took advantage of us from all this time. You already got your come up. So this is what we gonna do. We gonna do this, 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 that, this. And if this ain't gonna happen, and this is the best deal we gonna give you. And ain't no big deal gonna go over this, but you might get a lot of deals will go less done. And you know, you know, since you got Russia up there being big brother, you ain't even making no big boy move. Y'all compromising, y'all compromising with the crafty council. And they looking up here when he was saying what he was talking, looking all foolish with their face red. Let's analyze. Your objective, I do share it. My point is, I started to do it, but this is not a new, a new global governance. If you accept to have your activities, your people or your business, being tasked globally by whom, collected by whom and how, it doesn't exist. So you will have to vote. Let's vote for it all together on the same model. I agree with you, it will be the global tax. Second, I think the best way to address your point is to make the governance reform of IMF and World Bank and to make them much more adapted to the current world. And I'm totally, I totally agree with the new financial architecture proposed this morning by the Secretary General. Let's not create a new one. Let's just transform the ones we had. See? Crafty Council, y'all. The IMS is the the people that African be giving their money to, right? Right? They be getting the money and be taking all their money. You hear the Crafty Council that he said, well, the African talk, the African president said, no, nah, we want to 
find something and do we don't want to do away with the IMF and this and that so that that um you know we can build up something that's gonna be compromised and we be on the same people on the same um level. So you we went and now he said no we don't need to change it we just need to update it and change the policies and stuff like that. See, they go with the crafty counseling, and then after a while, they start spinning the same thing. Break it down, tear it up, and destroy it. See, I'm going to see what he going to do, y'all. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't even, I said, I'll be like, no, no, no. This is how we're we going to put new face to a new thing. We went through your crafty council all these years. Now we're not going to go through that. So if you can't roll with it, with, uh, with, with, I'll talk to the other people what you say and I'll get back up with you let's analyze and final points what we are discussing I'm sorry but I've been involved in this business probably for too many years but it's not business as usual I can tell you when she proposed a 650 billion capital increase a lot of people wanted to kill this idea when we committed for the 100 billion two years ago it was a big, a big splash everywhere. And the fact that we finalize it, it's not normal business. Otherwise, if going from 30 to 100 means nothing, I mean, I mean, what's the meaning of our concrete action? So if we deliver concretely what we are discussing today, it's a huge transformation of the model. But it's not the end of the game, I agree with you. We do need an in-depth transformation of our global governance for sure and we have we, we do need the governance of world bank and imf reflecting this world this new demography and the new dynamic see that's the crafty council he be going up with man and y'all got to realize this man these people these people throwing crafty council at them and they don't even know and the main thing is they don't have a leg to stand on because they, in their country, in France and them, they ain't got nothing. They ain't got no resources. That's why they export and try to steal everybody else's stuff. So how are you going to bargain with somebody who ain't got nothing? And you got big daddy, big brother Russia out there going to hold it down for you. See, y'all compromise. That's why I say, man, you know, Half of these guys in Africa that I've seen so far and listened to, they want to be handkerchief Negroes, man. And it's a shame. And I'm like, why are these brothers trying to be like this? Well, we was forced to be like this. We was programmed to be like this. And, and they looking at us like, oh, yeah. But okay now. You keep on playing and dancing with France and trying to do what you know that because my thing if I was thinking man and I'm and I'm a wise man and and I'm you know got to establish and I'm putting my word and my input in I'll be like they ain't got nothing to offer us nothing so they ain't got nothing to reason or anything if you want to deal with us this is what this going to happen period zero blank and only thing they gonna do is some old, some old warmonger trying to get some old other handkerchief niggas, negroes, with some other handkerchief negroes to go out here and kill people, look like them, in the name of 
colonialism, white supremacy to the KKK so they can stop this 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 progress as my man trying to get on. So we'll see, fam. We'll see. Kunye West, America gonna be destroyed. No doomsday threats. It's gonna get hit with ballistic missiles from Gog and Magog. You shouldn't have had liposuction. Should have jogged the weight off. We the resistance. Hear the bravery in my voice? You lied to us when you said slavery was a choice. Nigga must have smoked up a whole quarter piece. 1441, we was kidnapped by the Portuguese. When I hear the words, make America great again. All it means is make blacks and Latinos slaves again. You said Bush don't care about black people. When it comes to cooning, you're a Barkley and Shaq's equal. You was the realest spitter ripping the beat up. Now you in a sunken place, phone clicking the teacup. Yeah, learning you're a slave. Mom turning in her grave. Lyrical sermon on the page, just burning off the America mage. was great when they stole the land from the natives. It was great when they brought blacks over on slave ships. It was great when they prospered our free labor. It was great when burning our bodies was sweet savor. It was great when they could rape our women at will. It was great when they did our children like Emmett Till. It was great when firemen sprayed us with hoses. It was great when they killed all our modern day Moses. Could you cherish a place where we perished in hate? Then wear a hat that says you want to make America great. Your character's fake. Saying Trump represents freedom. He's eat him. He told cops when you stop, blacks mistreat him. Everything changed when you got with that ratchet thought. Your mom's casket dropped. Evil cerebral and rapid thoughts. The aftershock. You started tweaking off acid drops. High as an astronaut. I bet this shit happened to Travis Scott. Watch the throne. You really sold yourself a dream. It seems the people highest up got the lowest self-esteem. You're made back on the road to hell. You should be wearing that hat that says you sold for sale. Yeah, look at all this backlash hate. First you backstab hold, then you backstab Drake. MK Ultra eyes stuck in your mouth wide. This ain't the same kumbaya from the south side. America was great when cotton picking with bloody fingers. It was great when we called Mexicans beaners. It was great when we didn't have a voice to speak. It was great when they fed us scraps, no choice to eat. It was great when they fed our babies to gators. It was great when they beat us before the taser. It was great in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was great when the media didn't cover our stories. Yeah, Deacon, AKA Five Lords, Sakari. All praise you, how about Shimmy? I was shy. Hey, Kanye, man, get out. You out of pocket, homie. All the Jews, all the gems, all the jewels and gems you gave us about our history, all the social injustice that you spoke out about. And now this, this ain't the land of our rest. All right? We under curses, we Israelites. They're not for us, man. 